Seasonal Affective Disorder, also known as SAD, is something that affects both Carolyn and me in those cold, dark months of the year. So it surprised us to find out that SAD starts setting in even before Halloween. In today's episode, we talk about what to look for if you think you're suffering from SAD, including one early symptom that most people miss. Plus, find out what you can start doing now to improve how you feel in the upcoming months. Let's dive in. What inspired today's episode was the shocking statistic about when seasonal affective disorder actually starts. Yeah, thank you. I I, I typically dread January and February. I just hate that time of year because of seasonal affective disorder or SAD. And so I really could have gone without knowing that symptoms start in October. Yes, we, we are actually well into seasonal affective disorder season. You can always count on me, Carolyn, to deliver a bunch of bad news. <laughs> yes, so I can't believe we haven't really talked about SAD um, before now. I think we've mentioned it in a prior article um, some, and I can't remember, uh, prior article. I think we mentioned it in a prior podcast. We I'll did. go back and look at what we episode did. that is, and we'll link it if I can find it um, in the show notes. But this is something we should have tackled a while back because I, first of all, I know it is so prevalent, but also it's, I think you and I have both talked before about how it's, it affects both of us. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, I do like, People often ask me if I miss living up north. And I, I actually think that this is the biggest reason why I don't. Was it so much worse when you were in Vermont? So much worse. Like so much worse. Did you realize it then or not I until realized you moved down here? As soon as I moved here. Because I moved here in April and the season there is like you're still you're it, it's not warm yet. It's like the snow is gone. There's like little buds of things, maybe some green grass, but it's not really spring. Yeah. Um, and I moved here in mid April and it's fabulous. And it was, or, or I moved here early April and by the middle end of April, I mean, it was basically like early summer. It was glorious. I mean, my whole mood changed. It was crazy. Wow. Um, and now like this time of year, if I were living up North, I would definitely be, I, I would already be experiencing some of these symptoms for sure. And I'm not yet because of just, it's warmer, it's sunnier, it's all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Not only does, do symptoms, um, for SAD, can they start in October, but they tend to worsen around the end of daylight savings time, which is basically where we're at. Um, and then there's an even more drastic decline in later into November. And then January and February are like the hallmark months where you can have the most severe symptoms. Yeah. But overall, we're talking five months yeah. of seasonal affective disorder. And this is seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, is... is a form of clinical depression that they have, that research has shown occurs during certain months. Um, and, you know, daylight savings time when we move forward in the fall, 
it always makes me a little sad, but I don't, I don't know. That's probably not time enough for it to kick in yet. Like just because it gets dark so early and yeah. like the day ends, like when it's dark, I'm supposed to be in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it, when you're leaving your office and it's already yeah. dark out, has a whole. It's like you don't have any day left for your personal enjoyment kind of. Exactly. You know, exactly. You it's technically do, but there's no sunlight outside. left. Yeah. 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 But you found something, or or you discovered this occurs in the summer too. Yeah. So they're they're calling it. Um, I, I did not know that. I knew that you could have it in the summer, and I have definitely experienced kind of like a a you know late spring, early summer bouts of like depressive episodes before. Um, it's not as cyclical as like the winter one is. But yeah. anyway, I did not know until I was looking up the summer one that they call it summer pattern sad or summer depression. And then they conversely call it winter pattern sad. Mm. Um, summer pattern sad is a lot less common. It, it is experiencing depressive episodes in the spring and the summer months. Instead, most of the symptoms, here's the part I found interesting, most of the symptoms are similar, but there are a couple small nuances that um, were put under summer pattern versus winter pattern. So when we go through the symptoms of SAD, I can point those out. Okay. So what are the symptoms of normal SAD? Yeah. So, um, I mean, as its name implies, right, ongoing feelings of sadness. Um, if you have depression or anxiety, you might see, like, an increase in those. Um, I thought this one was funny, being more irritable than usual, only because, I mean, I feel like as moms, like, that's not necessarily yeah. an indication of sad. It's just an indication of how much of a pain everybody is in your house. I think people sometimes don't realize that irritability is usually a sign of something going on with your mental wellness. Yes. Depression, anxiety. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree with you. Um, you just think everybody else has the problem, not you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> but sometimes it means that you're having a problem. Yeah. So craving sweets or carbs, which we've talked about that with winter months and carbs anyway in, the, in past episodes. Um, losing interest in hobbies or social activities. Changes in your sleep, either sleeping too much or difficulty falling asleep. Now, the difficulty falling asleep, the insomnia part, is actually listed more under the summer pattern sad. Um, but but it, it I did see it in other lists for... The winter pattern sad. Okay. Um, feeling a loss of energy. I thought this was an interesting hallmark way to describe it. Nearly every day of the affected months. Because I think you can go through bouts where you're like, oh, I just really haven't had a lot of energy. But if you're looking at it like you're like five out of seven days or something along those lines over many months, that should say something. Well, I have found I have low energy, but I've always related it to it's cold outside and mm -hmm. I don't like to be cold. So mm -hmm. I'm a lot less to get out. I have to make myself work out, you know, um, so it's harder for me to get myself to do that. Um, when it's cold outside and then like when it's cold and gray, like I'm just less likely to go, go run errands and like connect with people, you know? Yes. So, but it's, yeah, it's probably tied into a little bit of sad too. Yes. We're going to actually talk about that in a minute. Oh, good. Um, difficulty concentrating, 
feelings of worthlessness, suicidal ideation. So, I mean, some of the very, like, uh, the symptoms of depression that you would expect and even anxiety too. And then weight changes, which can be weight gain or weight loss. Now, weight gain was more often in line with winter pattern sad and weight loss was more in line with summer pattern sad. Um, when, when I, like where I could find symptoms when they were broken out yeah. by the two. Huh. But there's one symptom you didn't miss, you didn't mention. Yes. So this one, this it has, this is like the number one, like the, what people, what experts think is the most common early symptom of SAD that most people miss. Okay. Because it's an early symptom. What is it? Fatigue. It's exactly what you were talking about, Carolyn. It's not having the energy to do the things you normally like to do. And it, it's exact, also exactly what you said. They, what experts say is that it's very, very easy to miss it as this like early symptom of SAD uh, because you can rationalize it as being very it's normal. Cold, uh, rationalizing it, saying it's cold outside. Exactly. Oh, because the weather geez. isn't as nice, because it's cold, because the days are shorter. Like it, you were saying, it's dark. You just want to go home and get in your jammies and get in bed. And maybe it's not sad, but also that can be a very early sign that we overlook. It's also a sign that... Um, it's hard to distinguish because yes. as a mom or as a working female or we're kind of always tired. It's true. It's true. For sure. But yeah, th- no, this helps. And, and I didn't realize I was right on the money when I said that earlier. Yeah. And there's stress of work stuff. There's stress of holiday stuff because we, I mean, are basically at the beginning of the um, holiday months. I would say my interpretation of that is that if you are having that early sign of fatigue and lack of energy, then I would just pay a little bit more attention to some of the other potential symptoms of SAD. Okay. And you're going to tell us later what we can do about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, the other thing that is interesting about SAD is that to be And we talk on the podcast about how you really don't have to be officially diagnosed with anything to, like, suffer from it. To suffer from it or to have symptoms or to seek some type of treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, But, so, take this with a grain of salt, but I did find this um, interesting and discouraging. So, to be officially diagnosed with SAD, you have to have two or more consecutive years of seasonal depression symptoms. I saw that. It's like, okay, to be admitted to the program, Correct. you have to have two years yeah. under your belt. Yeah, you gotta what have the two, heck is that? Two little tokens that said you had seasonal Yeah, welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You graduated. You officially have SAD. Yeah. Uh, what the heck? Uh, I know. Yeah. Um, so I understand because they say it's like a, it's a cyclical thing and that's what makes it I sad. Get it. But still, I was like, oh, okay. So you have to experience two years before you can get that little like, yeah, name tag, the badge of honor, right? The badge of honor that you have sad. <laughs> I'm gonna make a sad sticker. Yes, we. Can. I've graduated. I've graduated. I have sad. Yeah, officially sad. <laughs> officially sad. I feel like we could actually. 
We could we could make some good merch around I that. Know. Officially I sad. Less. We're making note of this. Make a note of that. Officially sad merch. Yep. Okay. So as uh, this we'll brighten our day further. We yeah, what else we have to share? <laughs> so some of us are actually at a higher risk of sad than others. Let me guess. Women. Yes. <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> it's more common in women. Um. It usually starts to appear in your early 20s. Did you see why it was more common in women? Well, because um, mental health conditions are more common in women. Uh. So it said that it was more common in women, based, like just like other um, mental health conditions like depression. I was just wondering. I was just doing some research on autoimmune conditions, and I've read the statistic before, but, you know, it's like two to one. For autoimmune women to men. So I didn't know if there was any physiology. I bet you was all Not connecting hormones. it to autoimmune, but just yeah. why women were more Why women are more. Maybe we're more in tune with our emotions. Well, duh. <laughs> That's what makes us the well, superior some, species. How do you become un-in-tune with un Yeah. So sad typically shows up in your early 20s. Um that said, there are some older kids and teens can develop it. And in, and one statistic um, I saw said that potentially as many as a million kids and teens suffer from SAD each year. Sad, sad yes. Um, the symptoms in kids are very similar to the symptoms in adults. Um, the only thing is that they said, like, for younger kids, uh, you might see more tantrums. Okay. But, again, it, it's – because it's more prevalent in older children and like older, sorry, not more prevalent because older children and teens are more likely to develop it, not necessarily younger kids. I feel like just saying the symptoms are very similar is, is yeah. the best we can do. Um, here it goes back to living up north versus living in the south. People who live in the northern half of the United States, <clears throat> and for our listeners who are international, it's really it. it the other way to put it is that just living further away from the equator increases your risk because your daylight hours are going to be shorter yeah. um, and there's less sunlight. So they say that in the northern half of the U.S., it's estimated that about 1 in 20 people could have symptoms of SAD. Oof. So. And it's cold. And it's cold. And, yeah, cold and very dark. Um, they think that it's genetic. It runs in families. So if you have a family member that had it or has it, you could be more likely to develop it. Um, that is where I actually first heard of sad is my family because dad, my dad noticed a long time ago Interesting that he seemed to be affected by it. And my mom ordered a, um, one of those lamps. Oh yeah. 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 One, yeah. I, you know, how I many years have I been not, saying I'm going to get one of those I lamps? Know. You know, I feel like I really need to do it. Um, one of the largest risk factors of developing SAD is if you have been diagnosed with either major depressive disorder or bipolar disorder, and then within bipolar, especially if you've been um, diagnosed with bipolar 2. And then the other wonderful news, because I am just the bearer of all wonderful things today, people with SAD tend to have other mental disorders like ADHD, eating disorders, anxiety disorders, and panic disorders. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Briarly. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. I'm fired up about this winter. Yeah, it's going to be great. And and daylight savings time is just right around the corner. Come on. But you are already doing 
a handful of things on this list okay, of but what already, to do about it. Already, I'm kind of dreading it, though. Just that yeah. dark, cold. I, I just hate, I just, main reason why I'm not a fan of the winter, particularly like the first part of the year. So what are we going to do? Solve this for us. If you feel like finding high quality supplements and natural healthcare products is like looking for a needle in a haystack, we've got the solution for you. Introducing Fullscript, a leading online platform that allows healthcare professionals like us to offer you a vast selection of professional grade supplements from trusted brands. With Fullscript, you can easily browse and order all your supplements in one place. I first discovered Fullscript when a healthcare practitioner recommended dietary supplements for my daughter. I was amazed at the quality of brands that I had access to on Fullscript, and I loved that I could get supplements for the entire family all on one site. The 20% discount didn't hurt either. Every product on Fullscript meets the highest quality standards, all undergo rigorous testing and are sourced from trusted manufacturers, ensuring safety and efficacy. Click on the Fullscript link in our show notes to get access to the Happy Eating Dispensary. Using this link will give you full access to all supplements available and gets you 20% off on every order. You'll also find recommendations for digestion, immunity, back to school, anti-aging, and women's health, as well as the supplements that Briarly and I order on a regular basis. Well, your mom did it right. She got your dad that light box therapy. Okay. So this was that was a while back. That was probably when like my dad was probably like Margaret. What have you ordered? Yeah, um, kind of new agey back then. But there are a lot of them now that you can choose from. What kind do we need, or what do we need to look for? That's why I've never bought one because I thought, am I wasting my money, or is this legit? Yeah. So what did you find? So the recommendation is an exposure of ten thousand lux of light. And emit as little UV light as possible. I mean, I guess because you don't, you, you know, UV light can be harmful. And then you want to use this light box within the first hour of waking up in the morning for about 20 to 30 minutes. That's the recommendation. Okay. I've never heard the morning. Me neither. That so was new to me. turn on your light box and scroll social media. Sure. For 20 to 30. I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. You know what I didn't look up, but I now I want to, is if uh, infrared sauna helps. That's a great question. You know what? Let's link some – why don't you and I find some light boxes that we recommend yes. on Amazon, and we'll link them in the show notes of that this episode. Perfect. We will find ones that meet this 10,000 yes. lux. So by the time our listeners are listening to this episode, they will be right in the show notes. Exactly. I like it. Um. Okay, the other thing is just to get a little proactive. Consider an antidepressant. Um, what if you're already on one? Did they say any recommendations? <laughs> Should you up it or just keep riding with what you got? I mean, no, I they didn't. None of the recommendations spoke specifically about if you were taking one. Mm-hmm. Now that said, just from my own personal experience, if if Have I you hit yours before, if I hit a bump, yes, yeah, I've upped mine. Um, you know, it's just so not, by the way, not just medicating myself. I've I've gone back with my doctor clarifying (laughs) just to be real clear. It's just so subtle. Like by the time you're in the midst of it. Yes. You kind of don't realize till you're already in the midst of it and been dealing with it. Mm -hmm. 
and then it's like almost spring now. You know, it's and it takes it takes time for those medications to yeah. like take effect. So yeah. it is one of those where like if you know that you suffer from it and you want to consider an antidepressant, like you probably want to be proactive. I was interviewing a doctor about a totally different topic about asthma today. And we were talking about the different types of asthma medications. And she was saying how it's really important to be, to do the preventative, to make sure that, you know, if, if you happen, it's similar. If you happen to have asthma at, uh, sorry, if your asthma kicks up at a time of year each year, right? Like if Mm -hmm. the season, the change in the weather affects it and you know that it's coming, then you want to start using your preventative treatments in advance. Yeah, that's what the allergy doctor said about seasonal allergies. Like don't wait, like start it a month in advance. If you know they always flare up in April, then start it in March. Yes. Yeah, get it on board. Exactly. And so I feel like the antidepressant type advice for sad is similar like it's a preventative it's not an immediate fix um along those lines line up a therapist or if you have one book a few appointments out um i loved this advice that i read there there's um there was a book that came out recently on sad and the author made this recommendation about putting your friends on alert that like this isn't a great time for you so not that you necessarily have to ask them to do something or ask them to not do something, but just like, you know, I like that. Let them know that like you, you may be struggling a little. Exactly. Um, side note: I feel like we are each on constant alert for one another. <laughs> we for are various things. We are. <laughs> you actually have like a spidey sense about me. Carolyn has like really gotten it down to a fine science. That is scary. It is. It is. We really don't even scary. talk during the week, but I can just sense from Tuscaloosa, an yeah. hour away from Briarly, that like some some has been a bad week. It's not been good. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Start or maintain an exercise routine. I know this convince feels convince me. Convince me. I know. I know. I feel so much better, but it's cold and it's dark. So convince me with the research. Okay. So we've talked about how exercise helps with mood. It helps it over the long term, and it gives you that immediate kick, right? So there was this recent study on running, and I think that it is, the, it is a great example for this instance. So researchers recruited about 140 people to participate in this study. What they wanted to do is they wanted to compare running and antidepressants on improving both depression and anxiety symptoms. So I thought it was exciting Ooh. that they looked at both. I'd hate to be in that running group, though. I know, right? And not get the antidepressant and have to I, run instead. instead. That's horrible. <laughs> and, okay, anyway. So but so they either, it was for 16 weeks, so four months. They either had and to run for four months with no antidepressants. Yeah, they had to do their running, quote unquote, therapy, which meant that they had to run with a group two to three times a week. Okay. Okay, so it's with a group of people. So I we like have that. to take into consideration That's... the social aspect of it. Or they could take an antidepressant. Now, here's the part I found so fascinating, was they let the participants choose which group they wanted to be in. Hmm. Yeah. Which... Wouldn't that be some bias? There would be some bias there, for sure. But what I, but also more people signed up for running than they did for antidepressants, which I think goes to show you... Wow. 
the stigma that's this is my personal interpretation that that shows you the stigma of an antidepressant anyway after four months of either running or taking an antidepressant they started them with lexapro if that didn't work then they gave them zoloft instead both groups had very similar improvements in their symptoms. 43% of the runners saw their depression go into remission, and 44% of the antidepressant group went into remission. Wow. But there were some interesting nuances. So remember how I said more people signed up for the running group than mm-hmm. the antidepressants? Well, the adherence to the treatment – I'm using air quotes here – was much better in the antidepressant group than it was in the running group, which is not surprising. So if you really adhere to two to three times a week running with a group or working out with a group, yeah, it could be even higher. Potentially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the other thing is that the people who took the antidepressants saw an improvement in their anxiety symptoms much more quickly, which I thought was interesting. I was not expecting Mm -hmm. that. I would have thought it would have been the other way around. But remember at the end, you know, at the end there was no difference between antidepressant and exercise. Um, But then the running group also saw improvements in their physical health more so than the antidepressant group, which also to me was that was a a no duh. But what here's what I the like the specifics of it I thought was interesting. So the runners actually lost weight. They improved their lung function. Okay, yes, I would expect that. And they lowered their their blood pressure. The antidepressant group gained weight and their blood pressure went up. But it's like solve this puzzle. Sometimes it's actually I'm gonna choose take antidepressants and workout. Same. I was just gonna say <laughs> I would have been like, where's the study where I get to do both? <laughs> Could we start a but, third group over here? You know what I think was really cool? Or or what I think played a really big effect or had a really big effect on the running group is that it was with a group. Yeah. I wonder, I wish they'd done it where people just were supposed to run individually, yeah. not with a group, and compared that to the group running. I think the group thing makes a big difference. It's a huge difference. I have learned that. It gets cold and dark, and I just want to, like, hibernate, and I have learned that is absolutely not what I need to do. Yes. I need to connect with people. Yes. And I think the um, the accountability, too, of the group mm-hmm. helps, like – make you actually do the exercise yeah so anyway new research everybody get their workout group lined up right now exactly line it up now and get a babysitter for the kids make a plan with your partner for your you know block your calendar from work so you can do it okay last thing a vitamin d supplement well they should be taking this already you're right. You're right. But, okay, so two things. One is research shows that having low vitamin D levels in your body increases your risk of developing SAD. That's number one. Number two, the mechanism part of it is that vitamin D helps um, in the production of serotonin, that oh, yeah. feel-good chemical that we all like. Uh-huh. Um, so making sure you have adequate amounts is going to help with that. But then the third part is that SAD plays a role in 
our circadian rhythms, which affects our serotonin, which affects our melatonin. And so um, people with SAD typically, like, you know, they're going to have lower level, lower levels of serotonin too. So vitamin D, yeah, it's kind of a no-brainer to try and get that on board. So I usually advise people to take 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day. That is a little above the RDA. What we've discussed before, a lot of people think the RDA is too low. Um, but this is well below the upper intake limit, um, and that is 4,000 IUs a day. Um, but also remember that vitamin D is the one, um, that like you could take a really large dose just once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have to take it necessarily every day. So, you know, it would be stay below 4,000 IUs if you're taking it each day or stay below 28,000 IUs if you're taking it once or twice during the week. Yeah. For the whole week, 28 for the whole week. And remind listeners what form they should be looking for. D3. Yeah. So that's what most out there are now. That's true. Yeah, it, it definitely seems to have shifted. I feel like we saw that the last time we did a little grocery shopping mm-hmm. run together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't – I should have looked this up before we got on this, but um, I feel like – I usually try to up my omega-3s, or maybe not up them, up the dosage. I get more cons- try to get more consistent Yeah. with, um, I don't know if it does anything or not, but it can't hurt. That's so true. And we know that it helps with brain, mo- health, and yeah, brain health and mood generally. So I can't, it's not going to hurt when it comes no. to SAD. No. All right. Well, biggest takeaway is? Got to exercise. And we are in the season of sad already. My big takeaway is I've got to get a um, light, a lamp. Yep. And I've got to find a group to exercise with. Yes. At least for a few workouts. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. I did see some research that talked about, and I feel like you and I did talk about this before, either in one of our nature episodes or in one of our exercising episodes. But if you exercise outside during daylight hours, you can get a little bit more of a boost. I know, I know, but I'm just saying maybe you get a random warm day in December. Okay. Okay. You know, go for a walk. We're going to Naples for Thanksgiving, Carolyn. You can exercise outside. Anyway, well, thank you for bringing this to us. So everybody get fired up. (laughs) Get fired up to get sad. (laughs) To get sad. But we've got all these tools and resources, and I think more than anything, you are not alone if you kind of dread those those months. Absolutely. So try some of these tips, and now's the time to start. Thank you. Until next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.